Kia ora, Mark. Welcome to Media Watch. Thanks. Thank you for having me. So we're two weeks into COP26 nearly. How would you grade the New Zealand media's coverage of the event so far? The, the outlets that have sent reporters to Glasgow have done a really good job. I mean, you know, staff has done an excellent job of um, covering maybe technical but really, really important stuff that's happening on the ground. Uh, I think other outlets, particularly if you don't have someone there, uh, have taken to covering COP from a process perspective or as a process story rather than a, a substance story. So, you know, talking about who's attending and what the activists say and what this person says, but without sort of getting into the substance of like what is actually happening, happening at COP, what are the stakes, um, what are the decisions being made and, and, and why does it matter? Yeah, what are, what are the qualities of reporting on COP26 that you would identify as good, as covering it well, and especially covering it well for a local context like New Zealand? It's not only about the impacts of climate change, there's climate policy. And so you, you do want to be covering what it means for our farmers and what it means for our electricity sector and, and so on and so forth. But it can be tempting just to find the one New Zealand angle each day, and that's probably not good enough. COP is being covered as an event. And there will be a sort of flurry of climate coverage around it, both of the event and of sort of other climate change aspects. And then it will end um, next week and people will go back to not really covering climate change until there's another big reason to cover it, Um, which is sort of not how climate change is actually happening. It's happening all the time, always, and it's getting worse every day. The the way it tends to work in the media is... uh, You wait for an IPCC report to come out, you wait for a climate summit, you wait for a policy to be announced, and and that's how climate change is covered as a sort of um, an occasional thing, not not an ever-present thing. The scale of COVID-19 and the way that has reshaped how we do journalism, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a journalist anywhere in the country, and certainly in, in, say, the press gallery where I work, who doesn't know what contact tracing is and who can't give you sort of a decent explanation of how it works and what the sort of issues with it have been over the past uh, year and a half. Um, But that same awareness is not present for climate, which has just as much of a a sort of widespread impact on on everything we do and the way we we live and, and the ways we will live in the future. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that news organizations don't cover climate comprehensively and don't have expertise all throughout the newsroom on it? I think there's a, f- a few reasons here. One is just, you know, it's important to remember that journalists are people like everyone else. And so, you know, very few of us have got um, a degree in uh, physics or meteorology or, or, or whatever else might be helpful to really understand the science of climate change. Um, and just be, you know, just as sort of everyday New Zealanders don't really think about climate change as something that's necessarily affecting them right now in, in, uh, you know, the way they drive to work or the way that they eat or, or what have you. Um, journalists are, are subject to that same sort of, not bias, but, um, you know, lack of awareness. Um, I think there's a, a degree to which it's incumbent on outlets to I- instruct or create incentives for journalists to do climate coverage. You know, staff has done a good job of that. this in setting up a climate team and saying we really want to do climate change coverage better. Um, I think that's sort of the first step that it, it, it is really obvious that you should have a climate team in any outlet that has, for example, a business team or a science team or a, a personal finance team or a lifestyle team. Like, you know, 
climate change touches on all of those things and to some extent is bigger than all of them. And so therefore sort of deserves its own focus. Um, but then you have to expand beyond that into making sure that the journalists in the business team and the lifestyle team um, and the poli politics team as well uh, are also doing climate coverage or taking it into account as they write about it. The big problem that news organizations have faced with climate coverage is just to be frank, no one clicks on it, right? And this is a problem that's kind of bedeviled newsrooms for a really long time. How do you get people to click on and care about stories about, you know, what some say is like a looming apocalypse? Why do you think that is? Maybe it's because climate, it feels like a far off thing, you know, the, the frog in the pot. And once you can actually start to see the bubbles, that's when it's too late. So people are waiting for climate change to get catastrophic before they really start to worry about it. And um, by the time it's catastrophic, it's too late to do anything about it. No one cared about COVID when it was in China. Suddenly it's in New Zealand and it dominates the headlines. Um, and everyone is reading, you know, five times as much news as they were beforehand. Um, but only about COVID, right? Not about other stuff. Some things are newsworthy and must be covered, even if no one reads about them. Um, you know, it, it's hard to imagine that if if the audiences for COVID were as small as they were for climate, we wouldn't still be covering it to the same extent we are right now, um, because it's a it's an urgent pressing threat to sort of the health and safety of the country. Um, my firmly held belief is that if news outlets covered climate change more and filtered climate into much more of their non-sciencey coverage, um, that would sort of help change the way everyone thinks about climate. And suddenly people would be more willing to click on these articles because they're reading more about climate regardless of whether they're intending to or not. And it's, you know, it's the role of the media in, you know, leading the conversation, I guess. And we have an opportunity to do that on climate, maybe even an obligation to do so, um, that I don't think we're fulfilling. Just quickly, is part of the problem that this seems like almost the most boring possible way for the world to end? So like a meteor streaking across the sky, it's an immediate problem. Our brains are hardwired to respond to immediate problems. We do something about it. COVID-19, it's immediate, it's in our faces. We do something about it. But this kind of slow suffocation due to changing weather patterns is hard to rally around, especially when it's diffused all across the world and we can't see it immediately in front of us. Yes, to some extent, it is hard to sensationalize, or if you did sensationalize it, you would probably be doing a, a disservice. It wouldn't be good coverage if you were to, all life on Earth will end by 2030. That's, that's not true, not how climate change works. But um, I think the other difficulty with climate change is two things. One, it's quite technical, or, or it's not what you expect it to be when you start learning about it. People think of climate change as an environment problem, but it's actually, it's an energy problem, it's a, a transport problem, it's a policy problem. And, and um, you know, that makes it hard for people to sort of grasp as, as just one thing because it's so diffuse across all sorts of sectors of society. And then the other thing is the implications of climate change, that we need to change how we live, that we need to drive less or eat less meat. People might just be turned off just based on that. Is it a situation where the commercial imperatives of newsrooms, particularly ones that rely primarily on advertising, which is generated by high-click stories and, you know, big audiences, they conflict with the sort of imperative of covering this really important, potentially most important story in the world? Like a lot of the big crises that we've had over the past sort of decade or two, um, climate change has been ill-served by the, the commercial imperatives in newsrooms. 
that, that don't line up with the public interest function that journalism really plays. I mean, you could see it with COVID a little bit in terms of, you know, news outlets had higher readership than ever before, pretty much, while in lockdown last year. Um, they were doing probably the most important work of, you know, journalists were doing the most important work of their lives in terms of informing people about the response and holding it, uh, holding the government to account and improving the response through that accountability journalism. And yet actual revenue for every publication dropped quite precipitously. Right. So you're doing you're doing the most important work you possibly can do and you're earning less money. And it shows that there's just a huge disconnect between the public interest role of journalism and how outlets make money. And, and that's sort of just a broader issue that needs solving. And, and it also uh, you know, is seen in the way that we cover climate or don't cover climate. There's also you know, questions around whether news outlets should be taking advertising money from fossil fuel companies, um, which you know, my personal view is no, they shouldn't. As far as I'm aware, we don't really advertise for cigarette companies anymore. And, and fossil fuel companies do more damage to the atmosphere and to, to people's health than uh, cigarettes ever did. Without getting into fixing the entire media funding model, is there a way yeah. that we can, I guess, make climate change suit that model a little bit better? One way to do it would be to integrate climate change into every reporter's round and to just diffuse it across the entire news production. Yeah, yeah. Emily Atkin, who, who writes the heated newsletter from the States, wrote about this uh, earlier this year when there were you know huge heat waves and, and wildfires and and they were being covered often in the media as natural disasters, but without any mention of climate change, which scientists say undoubtedly made them worse than they would have otherwise been. And in some cases, those events would not have occurred without climate change. She said, every reporter must now be a climate reporter. And, you know, I deeply believe that because, like I've said, you know, climate change touches on so many different aspects of our lives, both the impacts of it and the things we need to do to you know, make sure that those impacts are not as bad as they otherwise could be. Um, and so anyone who's writing about transport should know about climate change. Anyone who's writing about finance should know about climate change. Anyone who's writing about food should know about climate change, right? It, politics, obviously, everyone who writes about politics should know a lot about climate change and should be thinking about it as they write about transport policy or, you know, climate policy, obviously, or a range of other things. And, um, and should be working it into their coverage in, in some way. And it doesn't mean that every story is now about climate change, but that you acknowledge the role that climate change plays in, in these stories. Is that something that we can fix in the New Zealand media? Yeah, 100%. I, and I almost feel like that's the lowest bar, right? Is that you have a climate-influenced natural disaster, you should obviously mention climate change while writing about it. Five or 10% of the articles that I looked at uh, covering the West Coast flooding made any mention of climate change when, you know, again, that event would not have been as bad. It would not have caused as much damage as it did without climate change. That's a really important context. Um, it's like someone covering unemployment in New Zealand and not mentioning the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns, right? It, it, it's unimaginable because one has a direct effect on the other. If you're writing about housing policy and density, you should be mentioning climate impacts. If you're writing about you know, where should we be building houses? You should be mentioning the impact of climate change on sea level rise, and, and that should, you know, factor in. Um, if you're writing about building new roads, you should be writing about the emissions that will come as a result of those roads. If you're writing about building new public transport, you should write about 
why that might help uh, avoid emissions. Um, this is all, you know, just important context. And if the role of journalists is to sort of tell their audiences the truth, this is a fundamental part of the truth that we should be telling people. When you see a story that you've sort of sweated blood over on climate change and you compare the numbers on it to COVID, are you discouraged? And what changes have you made to your own reporting to try and deal with that? Yes, it's it's definitely discouraging. I, I think that generally climate change is discouraging. And so I don't think there's much that just one reporter can do to increase the, the readership of their climate coverage. You know, Newsroom has done a really good job over the past couple of weeks of fundraising and donations campaign to, to help um, fund sending our columnist Rod Orm to Glasgow. And, and we've sort of made it this climate-themed focus. We've put out a special COP26 newsletter. Um, and, you know, beyond just that, if you look at sort of what Newsroom has been putting out over the past couple of weeks, it, we've probably been doing as a percentage of our actual output more climate journalism than uh, anyone else and maybe even just in absolute numbers despite being a very small publication we, we may well have more climate coverage than some of the bigger outlets as well is this a situation where you'll win in the end eventually reporters will be forced to care about climate change and put it in all their reporting it's just that you would like it to happen before things get really really terrifying if you look over the long history of climate reporting, it's got better, i.e. we don't interview climate change deniers anymore. You don't need to provide that sort of you know, false balance to a story. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you look at the history of climate policy uh, over sort of 30 or 40 years of people being very, very aware that burning fossil fuels contributes to climate change and, and will make the world less habitable for humans in the future, um, People say eventually we'll get there and we still haven't quite got there um, in, in terms of actually doing something about it. So uh, ideally, yes, we do eventually get there, but it's not impossible to imagine a world where, yeah, like you say, by the time we do get there, um, the catastrophic impacts of climate are around us. So it is impossible to ignore, but it's also too late to, to make a, a real difference, right? I mean, every little bit helps and three degrees of warming is less bad than four degrees of warming, but three degrees of warming is still absolutely terrifying. And if that's the point where we're at, when people start taking climate seriously, um, that would be, I mean, it would be sort of a, a failure of, uh, of media, right? I mean, it, it would mean that we saw the asteroid coming and we didn't write about it until the asteroid hit, which would be irresponsible. Thank you so much for joining me, Mark Dalda. Thank you so much for having me, Hayden.